We're certified organic through Oregon Tilth and we're certified biodynamic through Demeter USA. Biodynamics is, it's kind of like the original organic. The biodynamic ideal focuses more on a full farm system or looking at your farm as a living kind of organism unto itself. So the difference between certified organic and certified biodynamic really is the addition of preparations for mm -hmm. the soil and also limited inputs. I think we can buy up to 30% of our inputs can come from off-site, but we're responsible for making all of our own fertility within the farm system. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 619. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And thank you to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. I'm so happy to share today's episode with you because it came together through total serendipity, thanks to arrangements made by my friend Jenny Ullum, Senior Director of Communications at King Estate Winery in Eugene, Oregon. We were in Eugene last weekend to attend the U.S. Track and Field National Championships, and when in Eugene, Jenny and her husband, Tim Gleason, always host us in their home. Jenny and I go way back. We were editors together in the 1980s at the long-ago shuttered Seattle Woman magazine, and we've remained close friends ever since. Before we went to Eugene, I had reached out to two Area Slow Flowers members trying to line up an interview for this week, while also having some time away with friends. Due to travel and other conflicts, both of the farmer florists I approached weren't available. Jenny overheard me discussing my dilemma, and she said, you should come out to the winery and meet our culinary garden manager, Erin Green. She's been growing lots of flowers and designing bouquets for the restaurant and tasting room. So we arranged a last-minute outing on Sunday morning, and I'm so grateful for the experience. It was employee blueberry picking day, so while my husband Bruce joined Jenny and Tim to pick something like eight pounds of blueberries, I joined Aaron to tour the King Estates cutting garden, apple orchard, and greenhouse production areas. I learned so much, and you'll enjoy our conversation, too. Here's a bit more about Aaron Green. As culinary garden manager... 
Erin joined King Estate in 2018. Working closely with the culinary team, she's responsible for all annual vegetable, herb, and edible flower production for use in the restaurant at King Estate's winery. After earning a degree in biodynamic agriculture from Emerson College in the UK, Erin operated her own farm, Nourish Gardens, in eastern Washington for four years and then spent two years working for a 500-acre organic farm in California that served the finest farm-to-table restaurants in the Bay Area. A native of Washington State, Erin is thrilled to be back in the Pacific Northwest. I love everything food-related, from seed to plate, she says. When she's not at work, she can be found cooking in her kitchen, working in her home garden, or out in the wilderness, camping, fishing, hiking, and exploring Oregon with her husband and her pup, the farm dog, Birdie. Let's jump right in and get started, and I'll share more about King Estates Winery after we hear the interview. Hi, Erin. Thanks for inviting me to visit your cutting garden here at King Estates Vineyard. Is it vineyard or winery? Winery. Okay. But why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what we're going to look at? Uh, So my name is Erin Green. I am the Culinary Gardens Manager here at King Estate Winery. I manage... Anything that has a, a producible, harvestable crop that's not a grape kind of falls under my management. So, so that's 30 acres in total, um, all biodynamic and organic certified crops. We do vegetables, edible flowers, herbs, um, 14 acres of orchard fruits, three acres of berries, and then this is just over a quarter acre of um, cut flowers. Wow. So, so this is the cutting garden. Um, I'm also responsible for all the floral design. Yes, I saw some on your Instagram feed. Yeah. Let's go into yeah. the sun and yeah. get a little brighter here. Erin, yeah. um, you said biodynamic certified. Yeah. Biodynamic organic certified? It's We're certified organic through Oregon Tilth, and we're certified biodynamic through Demeter USA. Okay, and describe what... How do you define biodynamic? Oh, yeah. Biodynamics is, it's kind of like the original organic. So it was the first form of agriculture. It came out of um, kind of World War I, Rudolf Steiner. You know, a lot of farmers in Europe were thinking like something's changing. And that was with the first edition of chemical fertilizers, mm-hmm. um, herbicides and that This is your thing. companion. This is Birdie, our farm dog. <laughs> She's our ruthless bull hunter. She's going to keep an eye on things. Yeah. Um, so, so biodynamics so, is really like super organic. So okay. the biodynamic ideal is really, it's, it focuses more on a full farm system or, or looking at your, your farm as a living kind of organism unto itself. So the difference between certified organic and certified biodynamic really is the addition of, of preparations, which are kind of like homeopathic remedies mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the soil, um, and also limited inputs. Mm-hmm. So we can't buy, you know, I think we can buy up to 30% of our inputs can come from off-site, but we're responsible for making all of our own fertility within the farm system. When I watched the video of you harvesting radishes, you referred to our on-site um, produced compost. So that's an example. Yep, yep. So all the waste from the winemaking in the fall, all the pumice, the seeds and stems and skins goes into our compost. And I mean, they make, I don't even, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it's something like 240 tons, thousand tons. That's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, don't quote me on that one. I should we'll, we'll verify. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> your background is you um, studied in Europe the bio, how to do biodynamic farming. Yeah, yeah. So in high school, I grew up on an agricultural kind of island. I worked on farms, with beautiful women farmers, my mother, one of them. Um, 
And so I traveled working on farms for a while and then decided that I really wanted to make a real go of it. And I enrolled in the biodynamic agriculture training course at Emerson College uh, in the UK, Southeast okay. Sussex. Wow. Yeah. Was yeah. it a multi-year program? Or? It was a two-year program. It was an intensive. So you would do, you know, from like 7 a.m. till lunch in the classroom doing sciences, business training, um, crop planning, all kinds of like, you know, books kind of stuff. And then in the afternoons, we went and worked on different farms all throughout the region. So oh we did gosh. dairy, meat processing, cereals, fruit, poultry. We did a little bit of everything. So we would do that for six months. And then we went and did an on-farm internship for six months. We did that twice. And where was your on-farm internship? Lopez Island. Oh, so you came back to the U.S. I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was interested in creating, you know, like tapping into that community on the West Coast specifically mm-hmm. of like whoever was doing biodynamics and um, connecting with them. Well, I have so much more to ask, but I thought we should just look at the flowers for yeah. a minute and walk around. Um, how do you have this organized? Just um, long rows with not just single crops, right? Yeah, it's kind of, we kind of get everything in whenever we can, right? And the spring is kind of a mad dash. Um, so I kind of rotate through, but in the front here is all perennials. Um, and then we kind of graduate to Stuff. This bed is actually our biodynamic prep bed. So we've got nettles, valerian, and then yarrow. And those are the herbs that they use in biodynamic preparations. It's kind of like a demonstration garden. So these these um, plants are useful for processing some of your amendments and your, your inputs and fertilizers and amendments and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest is all pretty much cutting. Um, we've got some salvias here. Beautiful. Oh gosh, this is. I love this Dondo blue. This is a really fun annual. We start cutting it now. Nice long stems. Agrostemma. I don't know what the name. It's, it's like what blue do you Dondo. Call it? Okay. Dondo blues. Okay. Like that. Oh, here's the tag. Yeah. Dondo blue. You said this is only your second year growing cut flowers. You're doing a wonderful job. <laughs> it's a really challenging growing environment. Actually, our our soil is such heavy clay. Okay. Um, it the whole vineyard is clay? Oh, yeah. And the grapes love it. And everything else is, like, pretty hard to get wow. going. Wow. So these beds we lifted with a broad fork. Um, we added four inches of King Estate compost twice and, and then worked it into the soil. So that helps give us a little <coughs> bit of air in here. But yeah. it's really heavy. And then we have a lot of pests, too. We have big, big gophers, voles. Those kinds of things are always creeping in and yeah. kind of munching. When the broad fork lifting is also a biodynamic no-till kind yeah, of treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we really have found it's nice to use some tillage um, to lighten things up and to also knock down the pests, the voles and things. Like, that's kind of my only shot to really get them out of Destroy the Destroy their tunnels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Wow. So then after we've done that once or twice, then we pretty much just use the broad fork. And wow. we do like a pretty thick compost on top in the winter, let that set over winter, and then we can plant right in in the spring. This looks like you have a Rudbeckia here. Yes. Beautiful. This one's new to me this year. Um, Prairie Sun, I think is the name. Yeah, Prairie Sun. And then your dahlias are looking great. Yeah, they came on really early this year. They were just, they read out the thing. The gophers eat the tubers, so we put them in these black um, oh, interesting. RPCs. Okay. Yeah, so then we lift them in the winter. Once we had a really hard killing frost, we'll lift them and put them in the greenhouse for the winter. How deep are those boxes? Not very deep. They're just about six inches, okay. six to eight. Okay, great. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wonderful. Um, some nice echinacea. These are really small. Last year, this year, they came up just real nice. Well, having the perennials gives you a start at the season, too. Yeah, yeah. And then I have some stuff that we start in our prop house in the in the greenhouse that some things just I didn't bring out. So then I'll just cut from the tables. Oh. Lilies, another uh-huh. one that the gophers love to eat the bowls. So keep it in the greenhouse. Yeah. Can we peek in there? Sure. Oh, yeah. Great. These ones are fun, too. These are, like, three times as tall as they were last year. This is that balloon flower. Yep. And really fun in these. I like, I like, these ones are really growing on me. Drumstick. Drumstick Allium. Allium mm-hmm. so fun. Those were a gift from the owners. They were clearing the bed. <laughs> they're whimsical and they can be used now or when they're dry, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, look at these little teddy bears. Oh, sweet. So Those are perfect sweet. size for the vase. Yeah. They won't get um, much, much taller, right? Nope, I don't think so. I kind of, I snipped the centers on some, so those might get a little taller, but. What are these um, uh, orchard trees? Are these hazelnuts? These are apples. So from oh, they are here apples. down, okay. we have three blocks. This one's Brayburn. The next is Gala. And then the next after that is Bartlett Pears. And then there's some Shinko Asian pears kind of scattered throughout. And all this edible orchard fruit is used by the restaurant here? or Yeah, the restaurant uses as much as they want. Mm-hmm. And then everything that's left over. They did a couple rounds of cider with the orchard oh. fruits. Um, Wonderful. We're not really doing that anymore. So anything that's left over goes to the food bank. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And that's um, apples, pears, plums, too. We have some Maribel plums, a really rare, super small plum that's used for brandy. Really sweet, like almost inedibly sweet. Wow. Just a little sugar bomb. So perfect ones, for, for distilling with yeah, brandy. Yeah, those ones we sell to the distillers. So we have oh, some here's figs, your lavender. Some lavender for cutting. And then we're doing, we're working on a Herbs de Provence garden. We have a big, a low tunnel that's full of herbs, but we always kind of tax it out. So it'll be nice to have a little indoor, outdoor edible flowers, the sage. The restaurant uses lots of edible flowers. There's some larkspur over there, the white and the earl gray. Yep. Hollyhock. These blueberries are kind of our offering to the birds. Like, we just leave these ones be. And I use them as green blueberries in the floral design. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Gorgeous. Do you Are you able to cut these for floral yep. design? Because this, yeah. is, this is a valuable yeah. design element. Yeah, I love them. And there's so many of these stalks here. You know, like a really healthy new stalk with this beautiful green and oh those ombre gosh. fades with the purple. I love using them. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you can't really get enough fun. of this. Do you have florists who want to come purchase these from you? No, you know, I haven't asked. It's only my second year, and really it was just like learn. The first year was a learning year. The second year we're kind of hitting our stride. Um, these more, I was kind of planning on putting these into more perennials, woody shrubs, like the nine bark. I love using that. Getting your foliages. Yeah, and then there's some soldago mm-hmm. that's just lovely. It's one of my favorites. And then we've got a bunch of nicotina. Beautiful foxgloves from Uprising. Do you know Uprising yes, Seeds? Yes, yes. Are they here in, in the... They're north of Seattle. They're in Mount Vernon. Oh, okay, great. Wonderful company. They have some really special flowers. So are you are you working here with these posts that were in place already from earlier? Um, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not sure what these were put in here. For. Maybe for a spalier something? Yeah, yeah. Some more. Ooh. This is fun. This is um, a nicotina. It's called Pink Screamer. Oh my goodness. Look at that. Isn't that lovely? I've had kind of a hard time with the This nicotine. is the flowering tobacco, right? Mm-hmm. Pink yeah. screamer. Pink I know screamer. the one that's down here, this yeah. greener one. Yeah. 
And they're so fun because you can cut them and cut them and they just come back again and again. Um, look at this. This is new for me this year. Oh, my goodness. And you do this all by yourself, Erin? I do. So I have one year-round full-time employee. And then, and, and then I have a seasonal full-time employee that helps. And they pretty much focus on the vegetable production. Okay. okay. And then we have two seasonal full-time um, women that have been working in the berries for 14 years. So they manage the berry harvest. So leading up from May until just about now, they're helping us do bed prep, big plantings, um, in the vegetables and in the flower garden. And then they pretty much shift a full-time berry harvest through August. And then I'm just cutting, cutting. But this is kind of ready for you to cut then. Yeah, yeah. You... Oh, this is that basket flower. It looks oh, like a giant right. uh, bachelor button. Right. And then I saw you brought me over here to see the... Uh, <gasps> this, this is like one of the Sahara series. I should have looked at my variety. No, there you go. It's a rutabecchia. Autumn sunset. Autumn sunset. Ooh, fun. fun. Anything that looks this good its first year in this soil is a great (laughs) It's a harsh growing environment. Yeah. Oh, I love it. One drip line going down the middle of each of these beds. Oh, this is fun too. Do you you have to supplement at all? Um, Yeah, we use a down to earth organic fertilizer at the time of planting, and that's it. Oh, that's fun. Frosted um, explosion. Uh huh. Frosted explosion, right. From Johnny's. I thought these would get a little bigger. Maybe they will. Yeah, this one's got some height. Oh, but that'll be really fun in a bud vase. Yes. Just on its own. I love it. Look at that. It looks like a firework, doesn't it? It's gorgeous. I love what you've done here, and and I can't believe that you've done this all in two years. You've got roses. Yeah, and some peonies over here. Mm -hmm. Oh, the peonies were stunning this year. I really. Well, let's go look at the yeah. uh, greenhouse, yeah. okay? okay. So, Erin, describe where we are. Yeah, this is our uh, west side of our central greenhouse. So this is a climate-controlled grow space. So we've got the small cooler, uh, and then we have some propane heaters. We minimally heat in the winter just to keep the frost off. Um, this is where we start all of our starts. Here's our next round of flowers. So we've got our summer zinnias. Three different kinds of sunflowers, some Cecilia, which I love, some Echinacea. Um, oh, there's more of that hibiscus. And then these are the lilies that never made it outside. <laughs> you just grew them in pots. Yeah, and thankful. I can't believe they got this tall in this little pot. So you're cutting these for arrangements for inside the, the winery? Yeah, yeah. So I'll cut these now, probably put them in the cooler, and then I'll use them in, the, in designs next week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you started, you said that you started, when did you start here as the um, propagation vegetable grower? Yeah, as the vegetable grower for the restaurant, the culinary gardens manager, and then you know, last year I expanded into the formal design as well. Yeah. And are the needs really just to make the experience for the guest um, to see something that's been grown here and you're not selling them per se? You know, we don't sell any of our flowers, at least not yet. Um, yeah, it's really just part of, you know, following that biodynamic ideal, really, a closed farm loop, the system, you know, kind of grow, we try to grow everything we need for the restaurant on site. Um, and we have all this incredible facility that's left over from the great faculty programs in the 90s. Uh, so, yeah, the floral design is such a sweet, I didn't really realize, you know, I had my first farm job was was in vegetables but when I was eight years old I started a cut flower garden in my mom's garden 
and I sold to the local florist. And, and you said like, that you were doing this on Vashon Island. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. And I had forgotten. It was the florist at the Vashon Thriftway. And I, that whole summer, I sold buckets of cut flowers. And I had, like, forgotten this. As an eight-year-old. Yes, as an eight-year-old. I was an entrepreneur from the start. I love it. And it wasn't until I started doing floral design here that I realized it, it satisfied this whole creative part of me that I think was kind of hibernating while I was focusing on vegetable farming. You know, when you're farming vegetables, especially specialty, like high-end culinary vegetables, you know, you're harvesting and then you're passing that off to someone else to create that final product that someone gets to enjoy. With the floral, you know, in January, I'm designing all my crop plans and calendars, and I'm imagining what kinds of, of bouquets I can make throughout the seasons. And then I get to actually create the final product. With what you've grown. Yeah, and deliver this this really, you know, this this finished product to the public sphere. It feels really good. It's satisfying a whole side of me that I don't think I recognize to grow I love it. Your eight-year-old yeah. self would be very proud yes, of you. Yes, last summer I did something in a white vase and it was with the blue Dondo and a Diablo Cosmo and some hot pink flower. And I was like, these were my favorite colors as a child. It was like, oh, so satisfying. It's really fun. I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, there's something very special about flowers. And when I was focused on vegetables, I never really, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, for the bees. Right. But there's something so fun and, and satisfying about really making a connection with the flower and experiencing that beauty every day. My drive out here from Eugene, you know, it's about half an hour. And I see... I really have to keep it on the road and like try and focus because I'm so transfixed by all the beauty around me. And that's really where I get my inspiration for the floral design is in the natives and in all the plants that are growing around us. You know, like right now in the mornings, the grasses are like golden, like luminous gold. And there's these whole hillsides of sweet peas and the- Wild sweet peas. Yeah, wild sweet peas. And then like the cow parsnips growing along those perimeters. It's just so, it's so inspiring. It's uh. just. And then on my drive home, I see it in the evening light. In the in the golden hour. Yeah, it's lovely. And so I'm constantly trying to draw inspiration from those areas and also cut from the wild spaces, the landscape in King Estate, um, and then also the kind of, like, there's wildflowers in the corners. We have some oak forests that are just beautiful. Well, you were saying that you can cut... Um, in addition to the blueberries, the fruiting branches, you've got the asparagus and uh, what, what else was the other thing? Asparagus, artichoke, uh, we do some tomatoes, you know, like the little current green tomatoes. Uh, um, lots of roses from them, from the landscape. You know, we have guest houses and things where I go and, and pick when there's people around. I love it. Much well, to the landscaper's chagrin, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm excited to show some photos of your work, so we'll add that to this story. Oh, great. Erin, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. What do we have here? This is um, field pea, pea shoots for the restaurant, and then we've got amaranth, green mustard, mizunas, um, and then I think some baby top size, some baby char. Oh, you've got some succession planning back Yeah, yeah. Yep. And these are, we just cut these at, you know, about four inches tall. So pretty. They're such a sweet little, like really nice as a garnish. Yes. Um, oh, wonderful. On top of our salads and things. So you're going to water, get some water in? Yeah, I need to water. Um, and this one, what a... What a beautiful garnish. Yeah. The baby nasturtium, and then we also put the flowers on top. So this is really for the chefs. Yeah. yeah. So good. I love it. Very fun. Uh, 
Oh, Aaron, this is crazy. So this is where we grow a lot of the edible flowers. Cucumbers do excellent in here. We do these little mini Persian snackers. Oh, right. And they grow up. We start picking, and we'll keep picking these. The plants come all the way up to the top cable, and then they'll come back down the other side, and we'll be picking, you know, June through September. And we've got them in these grow bags, and that's yeah. all they need. Yeah, yeah. And we do a little bit of um, organic fertilizer, you know, throughout the growing season to keep the, the nutrients pumping to the tip, but not much, you know. It's wonderful. Not fun. Yep. This is an Armenian. I don't know if these ones are going to work in here. Is there a specialty heritage cucumber close, more closely related to a melon? Oh, uh, yeah, it looks like a squash almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lots of herbs, all of our baby greens we grow in here. Uh, just because it's a more tender environment, oh, this is what I like One chef came and asked me to grow this. It's the Mexican mint marigold. Look at that. Wow. Isn't that tender? Would you consider using it in an arrangement as well as, but the chefs want it for garnishing? Yeah, yeah. so it's a tarragon. It's called Mexican mint marigold, but it's a tarragon flavor. Really nice kind of more beefy leaf than the French tarragon. Uh but still really tender. So you get a lot of flavor packed in. So they use these on top of desserts and things um, or salads. But they got look in a vase and it holds for ages. We were talking about recently about the flavor profile of flowers. Like there's a nutritional quality to them. Yeah. My favorite edible flower is the Scarlet Runner Bee. Okay, show me that. <laughs> well, these are fun too. The Marigold Gem. We yeah. use these both for edibles and for floral design. And your one's tangerine. And you're not cutting until the day it's needed, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so fragrant. Yeah, it smells like tangerine. There's also a, a, le, a lemon yellow. It's mm. so delicious. Yeah, really. This one, I just came in a tour from this restaurant tours. Um, Rosa from Florida, and they were saying that scarlet runner beans were their favorite edible flower, and it is. Mm. You get mm. the nectar hit, the sweet yeah. sugary nectar hit, and then a, like a light bean. It's crunchy. Yeah, it's like eating a snap pea. And they hold beautifully off the plate. I love it. All of that, they have really good structure. You know, like nasturtiums and things, you can't touch the blossom. These ones, they're just like so hearty and still tender, melt in your mouth, beautiful flavor. So how are they being used? Just in like um, salads? And... Yeah, garnish on top of salads and maybe on cheese plates and things like that. Ooh, wonderful. I know, I hope people actually eat them. Oh, I hope they do too. The crunch is amazing. Really fun. We, we harvest these as mini micros for the restaurant, and then once they come out, we use them in the floor. Right. Beautiful texture for arrangement. So fun. And they hold really well. If you pick them early, they're not like dropping all over the table. I just love this method of these grow bags. Yeah, it works. This is such a funny system. You know, the nursery tables, they roll. And we didn't really know how else to grow in here. What would we build beds on these tables or take right. out the floor completely? Or You wanted to work with what you had. Yeah, and these work. And I thought that they wouldn't last very long, but these were here before I got here. Okay. These are on their sixth year, and they're still really strong. We pressure wash them in the winter. But they're kind of made of a felted material. Yeah, it's a quality fabric. Yep. Oh, this is more of that um, 
and biscuits. Oh, right. So you're growing it in here and out in the field. Yeah. It's it, much bigger here. Yes, it is. It's, it's so gentle. Yeah. And then the amaranth behind it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure these were just a volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they all match. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, and this one's we try to keep everything in here edible because there's always chefs or, or public coming through. Yeah. But this is that anise sauce. It's like a chocolate meat. It's delicious. Mm. Big purple spire, you know, flower. It, it's, it's a dual purpose plant, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anytime we can get a two for one, we're, we're, we're happy. And then here's our first planting of the scarlet thunder. And you have them trellised on what? Uh, These are actually just tomato cages turned upside down. Oh, wow. I love doing that for peas and beans. Yep. So only, smart. Yeah, the only use I really found for tomato cages is for beans. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest go up to those cages. Oh, right. Just like the cucumbers. Yep. Uh -huh. Fun. And they'll just be going. I'm also, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I love legumes and beans, but this is the fava bean bloom. Oh, wow. Again, Really beautiful texture, holds well on a plate, um, holds great in a vase as well. So if, like you, sweet pea. if you cut it for the vase, you're not getting the bean off of that particular flower. So no. you have to be careful about yeah. Yeah. the and choices really, you made. In the spring, we'll grow fava beans for beans in the spring, but then the rest of the time we just grow them for the shoots. These leaves are really good in a salad. Um, oh, wow. For the flowers. Wow. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, really fun. This and is smells so good. This uh, tour is inspiring me to encourage more cut flower farmers to find edibles that can be yes. um, edible flowers or ornamental in the vase. Yeah, yeah. And so much fun, too, to have an edible floral arrangement. Absolutely. Especially on the table, yeah. dinner parties, if there's in the, in the arrangement and also on the plate. Yeah. Really fun. Love it. Partnered uh, with the Oregon Bee Project through OSU. Um, they're coming out, you know, every couple weeks and they're mapping all of our native bees on site. Um, so, yeah, we've partnered with other wineries that, you know, have an eye towards the eco, the broader ecosphere mm -hmm. and support pollinator habitat. Um, yeah, so we're having a big party here on National Honey Bee Day. We also have honey bees on site. Which is in August, right? Yeah, it's August 19th. We're partnering with Glory Bee and Save the Bee Project to have a fundraiser party. Oh, fun. Let's, yeah. We'll share all that information Ooh, in the tour. Thanks. I love that. That's really been of such a joy. This yeah, year. and all the native plants on the site are helping with the na yeah. with the native bees. Yeah, and our honey bees are so healthy. When you look at the comb, each cell is a completely different color, hundred percent clear, um, just beautiful because they have so much food. And then we have all of the wild. So, like, really between us, between you know the cut flower garden and the edge of the property, it's wilderness all the way to the coast. So all that forage. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, we fact-checked the scale of King Estates' on-site composting program. 800 tons of organic compost is produced at the winery each year. You can watch the replay video for episode 619 in our show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com and find additional resources about King Estates and the August 19th Bee Friendly Wine Tour taking place there as part of the Oregon Bee Project. 
On August 19th, it's actually National Honeybee Day, and the $35 ticketed event buys you two taste pours of wine, a taste of ale song beer, a box lunch, and a dessert bite. Not to mention bee-themed events and a garden tour, noon to 3 p.m. And you'll learn all about the native bees of Oregon and how they support biodiversity on farms, vineyards, orchards, and residential backyards. Our next thank you goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978. Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. We're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms, large and small, around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. And thank you to the Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education, for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. I love all this floral goodness, and I am so happy you joined me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants, who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Next week.